0: Everything is season. Lutheran Reflections Through the Church Year, a weekly devotional series based on readings relevant to the current liturgical season. You can watch this series live on our YouTube page every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks for tuning in, and now on to this week's discussion.
1: Welcome. We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen. Welcome, everyone, again, to uh, to Everything is Season, Lutheran Reflections through the Church Year. Uh, again, my name is uh, William Green, and as always, I'm joined by uh, Pastor Brian King uh, for our weekly uh, devotion. And uh, so uh, we had our inaugural episode last week uh, where we looked at some of the readings for the Festival of the Reformation, which we just celebrated this uh, past Sunday. And so uh, for our second installment here, we're looking forward to the celebration that we'll have this coming Sunday, which is uh, All Saints, right? And um, so uh, tonight, uh, our our devotion will be uh, based on readings uh, for for All Saints Day. And uh, we'll be talking a a bit about what All Saints Day is and uh, looking at some of the themes there. And so uh, that's uh, where we'll begin. So, uh, Pastor, uh, let's begin by talking about what All Saints Day is celebrating, what it is a little bit about the history. Could you speak to some of that?
1: Sure. Um, The history is interesting. And obviously, not, not long after our dear Lord ascended, you know, a couple hundred years afterwards, people were giving thanks for the work of the apostles, especially if you think about Paul and Peter. And they, would, they were starting to have days where they would recognize them and, and thank God for their work and things like that. Well, then over time, well, you know, James and John got added in and, and the list sort of grew. Flash forward a few hundred years and you have a whole list of people, saints, if you want to call them that, uh, for whom we give our thanks to God. And, and I think the list was getting a little long and people in wiser moments say, well, why don't we have a day where we celebrate all those saints? Now, I think I have to interrupt myself a second. We, we use the term saint, and Paul addresses his epistles to the saints in Ephesus or wherever. And the word saint, we get in English from the Latin word sanctus, which means holy. And when we use the term saint, we think about someone who's holy. That, that, that word basically means they're a holy person. So now, how can Paul address people in a certain locale as saints? Are they all saints? Yeah. Every Christian is a saint. We've been right. declared holy. We're, we have forgiveness of the shed blood of Christ. So we are saints. But somehow, over time in the church, what it came to be used as a title for, maybe we should call them the superheroes of the faith.
0: right. Right. Well, right. If you even read some of the readings from, uh, you know, the first couple centuries after the church got started, after Pentecost, you already start to see, you know, a sort of uh, veneration for the apostles, right? So if you read like, uh, even even people who were uh, the apostles' contemporaries, like I'm thinking of like Clement of Rome, um, you see them speaking of the apostles in high regard. You You can tell that they were already... Uh, very high, highly regarded very early on in the church. And it's easy to see how this sort of thing would have evolved, right?
1: Yeah, and and we should thank God for the work that Peter did and Paul did and James and John and the early church fathers. We, we're right to thank God for them. So we ended up using this term saint as sort of an honorific title, meaning almost like super saints, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and we have to bear in mind that, you know, I can refer to you as Saint Will, you can refer to me as Saint Brian, and theologically, that's fine. And that's the way Paul addressed his, his readers.
0: Right, yes, yeah, that's very true. Uh, but at the same time, so maybe you can speak to this. If you look through uh, the list of commemorations in like, the Lutheran service book that we currently have, right, mm-hmm. it's really interesting because some of the commemorations, uh, the people that we're commemorating will bear that saint title in our hymnal and others won't. So for instance, uh, we, it seems like we never say like St. Martin Luther, right. But if we're talking about like John the apostle, we'll we'll say St. John. So even though that title can be like meaningfully theologically applied to all Christians, what's the practical, uh, difference and why is it the case that we don't say like St. Martin Luther or like St. You know Johann Sebastian Bach or something like that. Even though those are people we commemorate in our calendar.
1: Yeah, I I think that when the time this is all getting a little more um, formalized, eight hundreds, um, that it's almost like there's a line in the sand drawn, that if you got that title before a certain time, you you kept it, mm-hmm. and if and if you didn't, and if you were born afterwards, you just you couldn't get it. Hmm. And of I course, see. our our Catholic brethren make a big deal about sainthood, right? Right. And that people are elevated to sainthood, uh, where we we don't regard that. We we look at it as a level playing field that every every believer in Christ is a saint and and can wear that title, bear that title of
0: saint. Right. Okay. So this kind of leads into my next question. Uh, okay. Let's let's kind of talk about the the Roman Catholic tradition. So um, we in our Lutheran church commemorate All Saints Day, uh, but. In some other Christian circles, this is a sort of three-day celebration, right? Or a, a tritium, as, as it's called. Yeah, so, fancy word
1: Fancy word for a three-day celebration.
0: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So uh, in this view, this would start off on October 31st, uh, which, which we now call Halloween. Uh, but I understand this is kind of like a shorthand for All Hallows' Eve is, is right. where we get the word Halloween, right? In,
1: in the Lord's Prayer, we pray, hallowed be thy name, hallowed. Something is hallowed, it means it's holy. Mm-hmm. It's special. it's set apart. So we do this ha- Halloween is a shortened version of all Hallow's Eve.
0: right. and so that would be the first day of the celebration traditionally, right yeah, uh, the eve of of All Saints Day, uh, right. more or less right. so um and now of course, uh, Halloween in our modern times has taken on all sorts of other connotations, other secular ideas have have slipped in. Uh, to where it no longer, at least in most people's minds, has that sort of liturgical significance that it used to. No. But that being said, that that is how that holiday got started, right? And you can kind of see this with other holidays too, right? Other holidays in our calendar that are significant to us, uh, that are widely celebrated. We see some secular or extra biblical elements uh, slipping in. Uh, we, we have like uh, Santa Claus... Uh, Christmas time, right? We have Easter bunnies uh, around Easter, and so this this is a common uh, phenomenon. But it seems like, especially in the case of Halloween, um, it's kind of like completely overpowered the original meaning of a holiday altogether,
1: right? Well, yeah, and even twisted to the point where it's sort of a celebration of the darker side of things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, almost to the point where uh, I know a lot of uh, Christians who won't observe Halloween at all that you know they don't want their children participating. So so much has creeped in that that original meaning has been uh, very obscured compared to even yeah
1: and holidays. you can see how it sort of grew out of it with the the notion of those who have died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So if you back up the evening and you're looking at those who have died and all the skeletons and the people will put out little you know plastic headstones in their yard and things like that. Um, where it sort of grew out of the notion that we're thinking about the people who have des- who are deceased, and then this this evening before became this kind of macabre weird, weird holiday. But but this is again remember the devil likes to twist things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you know, we can talk about Santa Claus and if you want to talk about Saint Nicholas and some of the history there with uh someone in response to being treated well as an orphan went and gave gifts to the families who cared for him as he was growing up. That's a wonderful tradition and giving Mm -hmm. gifts at Christmas is a wonderful tradition. You know, you you give a gift to someone just to express love for them to remind them of God's love. Right. God loves you. I love you. Here's a gift. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's easy to see how these things kind of slip in. And um, this is kind of a new appreciation I've gained since moving to Florida. Uh, There's um, a significant um, Mexican influence on the culture here and so, in our neighborhood, uh, you know, kind of for the first time, I've seen Day of the Dead uh, right. decorations put up in place of Halloween decorations. And so, uh, for those not familiar, uh, Day of the Dead is a, a distinctly uh, a Mexican holiday uh, that falls over uh, All Saints Day and then All Souls Day on November 2nd, uh, commemorating, um, you know, the people in the family who have passed on. And so, again, it's just another. It's, it's interesting because uh, it seems like in American culture, like some more demonic elements have kind of overshadowed Halloween, whereas it's interesting, uh, the Day of the Dead celebrations have kind of stayed a little bit closer to the original intention of the holiday.
1: Right. Okay. So then, and, and that's good. And in some places, the Dio de los Muertos, mm-hmm. uh, it's not as clean, but right. but it's good. So what's the point of this? So what happened was... You have All Saints Day, and we're commemorating the the as I call them, kind of the super- superheroes of the faith, Peter and Paul and James and John and people like that. But then that list got added to. Well, what about this person? What about that person? And so the the uh, the All Saint the All Souls Day, or the commemoration of the faithful departed, grew out of. Well, what about my sainted grandmother? Mm -hmm. why don't we have a day to recognize them now sadly in some traditions the all souls day is used to engage in prayers to help the dead and and we don't believe in that we it's appointed for man to die once and then the judgment but the idea is kind of neat and and here again is the kind of the beauty of the church calendar makes us stop and think about christmas makes us stop and think about easter makes us stop this weekend or this week and think about the people who have gone before us in the faith
0: right right Right. yeah so yeah let's talk about all souls day a bit more so it's the third and final day of this three-day celebrations we have halloween we have all saints day and the third and final day is traditionally called all souls day and so that's a day in some christian traditions that's distinct from all saints day where we recognize the people who uh you know are the heroes of the faith as you said And then we have this second day to recognize, uh, family members and those we love who have died in the faith, who, uh, we believe we will one day see in heaven. So, uh, in Lutheran circles, I have almost exclusively seen all saints day and all souls day kind of combined into one celebration on November 1st. I rarely have seen any sort of commemoration on November 2nd. Right.
1: Right, and theologically, I think what we'll find is that you know All Saints Day, All Souls Day, was existing before Luther, and what we're going to find is that with the with our Protestant theology, with an understanding of grace, forgiveness, that I am as much a forgiven sinner as Saint Paul was. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, and you are as much a forgiven sinner as Saint Peter was. So we, we we've kind of merged them. And so well, we're talking about all saints. That includes the famous ones and the, and the not so famous ones. Right. Uh, the ones through history that we look back and they've done wonderful things. Uh, yeah. And then the rest of us who have just sort of, you know, we're just going to go slogging through life and, and enjoy our Christian existence and then spend eternity with God. So we've sort of merged them into one, one day, one idea, namely all saints. Mm-hmm.
0: And which... theologically, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Be- because of these theological differences we do have, with, uh, you know, compared to these Christians of other traditions, it makes sense because we believe that all of our faithful departed are saints to include them in that all saints celebration at, at the same time. And, you know, I'd be interested to get your opinion on this uh, to me, like I, I kind of like the logical distinction of uh, celebrating the heroes of the faith on a specific day and then kind of having our own day to remember our friends and family who have died in the faith, uh, the faithfully departed. And then that was one thing I really liked about, um, you know, I mentioned some of these uh, prayer books that, that we'll be using throughout our series uh, last week. Uh, one of them was uh, Oremus by uh, uh, Reverend David Kind. And um, he actually includes uh, some propers for uh, the commemoration of the faithful departed on November 2nd. And that's something I had not seen uh, in a Lutheran Uh, breviary before most of the others don't include this but i do kind of like that sort of logical distinction and i'm curious to get your thoughts on that
1: well sure okay so some people just include all saints including everybody from saint peter to my sainted grandmother okay Mm -hmm. and -hmm. that's perfectly fine but but the commemoration of the faithful departed kind of it's you're thinking about the people that you knew right and that has a different like
0: emotional flavor right yep like, it's yeah. more sentimental in a way.
1: Yeah, and that's totally fine and totally good. And as long as we understand that, Paul got into heaven the same way my saint and grandmother got into heaven through the merits of Christ. Not because of anything they'd done, but solely by grace through so the shed blood of Christ, they're welcomed into paradise. Right. That's neat. Now, um, some churches, and, and my home church had done this years ago. I don't know if they still do. But they would read through a list of the names of people on december thirty first of those who had died uh, in that preceding year. Hmm. And that's that is a commemoration of the faithful departed as well. You stop and remember them. you give thanks to God for them and 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 you you recognize that they were special in the life of your congregation. and And separating it from All Saints' Day isn't necessarily bad either, right? Right.
0: Yeah. Right, yes, yeah, so I, I can kind of see it both ways. Uh, certainly we want to avoid the sort of theological errors of um, you know some of the things we talked about last time, things like uh, purgatory and uh, an emphasis on uh, indulgences, right. Mm-hmm. We had mentioned that last time for uh, in, in some uh, Christian circles. Uh, the month of November is a time to make extra prayers for the people in purgatory and they're even, uh, indulgences that can be awarded in the month of November for saying certain prayers that can only be applied to people in purgatory. And of course, that's something that that we want to avoid. And so in that sense, it makes sense to avoid those sorts of errors to, to combine the two holidays. But in the same sense, if you go to a Lutheran church on All Saints Day, it's a very joyous and uh, triumphant uh, mood, right? It's, it's extremely celebratory. And uh, All Saints Sunday is is one of my favorite times to be in church. The music is fantastic and uh, the readings are wonderful. It's just a very celebratory tone. But, you know, when we think about uh, our loved ones who have died in the faith and who have left us, um, it seems to me that it is appropriate perhaps to have, uh, of course, we want to celebrate the fact that they're currently present with Jesus in heaven. That's something we're celebrating, but... Um, it can take a more somber tone when we remember, uh, you know, who we lost, right?
1: It, yeah, it. It's one of those things that the death of a loved one is the epitome of of someone who's died in the faith. It's the epitome of bittersweet. Mm-hmm, exactly. It's, it's so bitter because you're you're grieving. You they're gone, but so sweet because we have that incredible hope that because of what they professed and confessed in their life their belief in Christ that they're now you know in that wonderful place so you can you can be so sad at a at a a funeral or or the time of a loss of a loved one but then there's that hope that's that's creeping up inside you realizing well no this is this is what the Christian faith is all about Christ went through a grave he beat death he came out on the other side and he promises to all who fall asleep in him a resurrection like his so yeah, it's bittersweet when we think about those who have gone before us. Exactly. For sure, for sure.
0: Exactly. And so so maybe the bottom line is um we want to avoid the sorts of theological errors of believing that the faithful departed are somehow still suffering for their sins, right? Or somehow need our prayers in any way. Right. We want to avoid that. Uh but in the same way, perhaps it is still helpful to have a separate day to recognize faithful departed apart from All Saints Day, even though during our All Saints celebration, we are fully aware of the fact that we are including our loved ones in the church triumphant.
1: Right? Yeah. And I think, and, and maybe the way it was done in my home congregation was a little cleaner because it was a few months. It was the end of the year, sort of looking back on the, on the calendar year exactly, uh, and, and thanking God for those who have gone before us. It's, it's good to remember those who have gone before us. We wouldn't have the faith if, those who went before us had ignored the faith. Yeah. We've received it. You know, people um, sort of make the comment that the church is only one generation from being gone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, if, if, if we don't share it with our children, uh, then it, it's gone. So right. we're thankful to mm-hmm. our parents and our grandparents and aunts and uncles and friends, relatives, neighbors, who, who shared the faith, those who took us to be baptized, who took us to Sunday school, who brought us to church, Uh, We're, you know, thank God for them. Oh, absolutely.
0: And, and kind of, as we've been preparing for this, that's one thing I think I've gained a new appreciation for this year. It's amazing the impact that, uh, you know, one or two people can have, uh, when you look at the course of the generations to come. Right. So I think of my maternal, um, grandfather and grandmother who very faithfully passed down the Lutheran faith to my parents, who in turn passed it on down to me who in turn I'm, I'm passing it down to, to our son. Right. So you just take, you know, my grandfather, my grandmother, just those two people. And you look at how many people they have impacted just through the faithful teaching uh, of the faith to their children. And it's amazing how big of an impact a single person or, or a couple can have. And it's a good time it, it, to reflect on these things.
1: And to thank God for them.
0: Indeed. Yeah. Thank God for
1: them. They're good examples. They're good uh, they're good examples who have gone before us. They've given us something wonderful. And that's that, that section in um, in Hebrews 12, right?
0: Right, right. Yeah, maybe now's a good time to go ahead and look at that. Yeah,
1: I think so. Because it, it you know, we, in Hebrews 11, we have the honor roll of faith. And then Hebrews 12 starts out with, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and that's referring to the Old Testament honor roll of faith, let us also lay aside every weight and sing which Sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Again, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, they witness to Christ. And the joy that was set before Christ, as he endured the cross? That joy was was you and me and and, and the world. He wanted to redeem the world.
0: Indeed. Indeed. All right. Uh, All right. We talked a lot about uh, the celebration and the history and and kind of the different themes surrounding it. So let's move on uh, perhaps to our main reading for the day. So uh, as we mentioned last week, uh, we're going to take at least one reading from uh, a prayer book or from the lectionary that's designated for the current week in the church calendar. And uh, this week's reading comes from uh, the Oremus uh, breviary that I had mentioned earlier, and this is for uh, the Feast of All Saints, uh, November 1st. And um, it's a reading from uh, Bernard of Clairvaux, a 11th century uh, monk, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right, Pastor?
1: Yes, I think he died early, yeah, early 11th century. He died.
0: Okay. He bridges the gap,
1: I think, in like, 980 to 1030 or 9, somewhere around there.
0: Okay, okay, great. So, and and,
1: and we refer to him as Saint Bernard, right?
0: Right, yeah, exactly. And yeah, uh, the the dog I think is named after Saint Bernard, right? (laughs) I I guess so, yeah. (laughs) All right, uh, so I'll go ahead and read that. This is from uh, his work entitled On Conversion. The soul sees that it itself contaminated and that the source of this contamination springs not from outside, but from its own body and not from elsewhere, but from itself. It is something in the soul as the memory, which is tainted as the very will, which injects it for in fact, the soul itself is nothing but reason, memory, and will. Now, however, the reason greatly reduced and as it were blind for so far, it has failed to see the state of affairs is acutely sick, It has come to recognize its malady, but finds no remedy. It discovers that the memory is both foul and fetid, and that the will is sick and festering with terrible sores, and so that his whole humanity should be taken, the body itself rebels. The members become like so many windows by which death enters into the soul and confusion springs up like weeds." Let the soul which is in this state hearken to the divine voice and to its own amazement and wonder it will hear it say, Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Who is poorer in spirit than the man whose spirit finds no rest and who has nowhere to lay his head? This also was a counsel of devotion that the man who is displeasing to himself is pleasing to God and he who hates his own house That is to say, a house full of filth and wretchedness is invited into the house of glory. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. It is no wonder if he trembles with awe at the greatness of this honor and finds it hard to believe what he has heard. If he starts in astonishment and says, is it possible for such wretchedness to make man happy? Whoever you are, if you are in this frame of mind, do not despair. It is mercy, not misery, that makes man happy, but mercy's natural home is misery. Indeed, it happens that misery becomes the source of man's happiness when humiliation turns into humility and necessity becomes virtue. As it is written, Reign in abundance, O God, you shed abroad, you restored your heritage as it languished. Sickness has real utility when it leads us to the doctor's hands, and he whom God restores to health gains by having been ill.
1: That's good. That's a great has, it's a great reading. Sickness has real utility when it leads us to the doctor's hands, right? Right. And that's the whole point of when we, we hear and read God's law and we're convicted of our sin. You know, through, through the law comes knowledge of sin. And then we we scamper like little scared mice to the foot of the cross.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And there we have the great physician who heals our souls. Right. Yeah, it's a good reading. Good reading. Right.
0: And some might wonder why uh, this is designated for, for All Saints Day. Um, and, and there are a few themes we can kind of talk about here. Uh, first of all, it should be noted that um, in our lectionary, uh, the, re- the gospel reading designated for uh, the Feast of All Saints is uh, Matthew 5, right? The Sermon on the on the Mount. And so uh, he references that here, but um, in our church, we make this distinction between the church militant and the church triumphant. Uh, Pastor, do you want to speak to those two different categories and what that means?
1: Yeah. We talk about the church triumphant as those who have gone before us in the faith who are in heaven and, and what we, what we hope for um, through our faith to one day be ushered into Christ's mansions, our, our heavenly home—that's the triumphant church. We've 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 come through the fray, and we've we've come out on their side, and we're welcomed into God's house. The church militant—well, uh, that, that's you and me and the rest of us who are here living—that we're still fighting the battle.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We're still engaged. Uh, we're waging the war against the mm-hmm. devil, the world, and our own sinful flesh. It's still it's still tough days, and slugging it out, and veil of tears, and all those phrases, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, it's it's not easy here. So, but but together, that's the one holy Christian and Apostolic Church. Right. The, together, whether we're in heaven or we're on earth, uh, still fighting. It you know whether we're in heaven in our rest or on the earth still fighting. It doesn't matter. We're in Christ. Right. And that's that the, the, the big point is to be in Christ Church, and as a saint in Christ Church, whether we're in glory or here on earth still fighting it out. And that's important to understand. And to realize and to give thanks for those who have gone before us, who are in that church triumphant,
0: right? Exactly. And so that's where this theme kind of comes in, right? So some might might say, well, the Sermon on the Mount is a kind of a curious reading to have for All Saints Day, but um, we we kind of see the connection here, uh, especially through this reading, right? Um, there are all sorts of you know states of affairs that we might think are undesirable in this life. That ultimately, uh, you know, will contribute and kind of aid us along the way to our glorification in the Church triumphant, right? So, in the Sermon of the Mount, we have what seems to be, you know, kind of these contradicting ideas, like "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven," and um, "Blessed are those who mourn, for there will be comforted." Right? Those seem like opposites in a sense, but as Bernard was saying, oftentimes. Um, these bad things that happen to us are—they uh, serve a greater purpose in uh, spurning us towards these better things, right?
1: Ideas like misery, lead, you know, leading us to mercy and things like that, right? Exactly,
0: that, exactly.
1: Yeah. It um, should I read that Matthew five now? Yeah, let's do that. Since we're kind of diving a little mm-hmm. deep, so Matthew five one to twelve. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated—that's Jesus. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So, first off, it's kind of strange language. Uh, And then you have all these comparison contrasts, right? Mm -hmm. Now, just a little grammatical note we pronounce it blessed
2: mm-hmm.
1: when it's used as an adjective an adverb or a noun when that word is used as a verb then it's blessed
2: mm-hmm.
1: like if if you say grace over the meal then it's oh we will we'll bless the food right blessed not blessed right. but when it's used this way it's blessed it just it sounds kind of like old english but there are these grammatical reasons why there's there's two different ways of pronouncing a word that's written the same way right that's a little boring thing that you probably nobody cares about, but maybe <laughs> well, you, maybe me. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, well. But the poor in spirit, there's the king of heaven. And, and St. Bernard's reading does echo this, that one leads you to the other. Misery leads you to mercy. Being sick leads you to the physician. Um, those who mourn, they shall be comforted. The meek inherit the earth. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they don't have it. They don't have that righteousness they're hungering and thirsting for it they'll be filled mm-hmm. they're hungering and thirsting for it because they realize their their wretched state and Christ came to to fulfill that need to meet that need by dying for them they shall be filled That's blessed right. are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see god etc it goes on describing our lives as christian people if you read through the Sermon on the Mount, it's not it. It's not easy to accept. Mm-hmm. It's hard. There's lots of law in it. There's lots of descriptions in it. There's lots of oh my goodness, is he serious when he says these things? And and opening up with the what we call the beatitudes. Uh, yeah, it's tough. He's telling you it's okay if you're poor, if you're wretched, if you're miserable, if you're not feeling righteous. You're on the right path.
0: Right. Right. And uh, like, obviously, I don't know for sure the intention of including this specific reading for All Saints' Day, but it seems to me that each of these individual verses is like two sides of the same coin, right? Or or one side is, uh, you know, speaking about the church militant, the other side is speaking of the church triumphant. So one side talks about our troubles and tribulations in this life, and then the, the preceding line is uh the glory to come right? deliverance exactly
1: the deliverance so yeah and, and maybe that is why this was picked to be read at this at this um for this holiday that okay you're here you're in the church militant but you will be in the church triumphant exactly this describes where you are now this describes where you'll be exactly. and and it, it, it encompasses all those who have gone before us who are now comforted who have received mercy who uh, have had their thirst for hunger and right, you know, and hunger for righteousness fulfilled that those are those in the church triumphant. So maybe that dichotomy, that little two part thing to it, uh, that makes sense. Thinking about the, the one Holy Christian Apostolic church, church triumphant, the church militant.
0: Right. right. Okay. That, that's, good. that's how I'm reading it anyway.
1: No, it's good. I like it.
0: All right. Very good. Well, um, Uh, One more thing I I wanted to talk about uh, uh, that kind of ties into this topic of uh, all saints. Um, So we, I think, clearly understand what it means to be a part of the church militant. And I think we have a clear idea what of our our final glorified state will be. But um, a lot of this discussion of all saints is centered around you know what's happening right now to the faithful departed right so we 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 clearly believe that um we we clearly believe in a bodily resurrection right yes uh, that on the last day uh, our bodies will be raised from the dead and uh and then the the final judgment will occur and when we have that to to look forward to right uh but there's this intermediate state Kind of in between, right, where there seems to be some confusion. So right now we're we're living and we're a part of the church militant, and our some of our loved ones have uh, died and passed on, and um, kind of the attitude that this holiday is going to take is dependent upon how we see their condition uh, right now, right? So so what is uh, you know grandma and grandpa doing who, who have passed on? What is their state right now? right is is are they is their death to be mourned uh because uh you know they're dead right now and um, they're kind of awaiting this final resurrection uh, and so that kind of flavors the holiday in one way or um are they currently enjoying the full benefits of uh their ultimate glorification right now so to speak i know there are different historical spect- perspectives on this um and uh some christians even in Rather orthodox circles, I think Luther might have even kind of alluded to this. Have held to a position kind of called soul sleep, that that after we die, uh, we are <laughs> we are we are dead uh, in the sense that we're not really experiencing anything, and, and we're just kind of awaiting this uh, final resurrection, and, and that's kind of what we're looking forward to, right? And then uh, clearly, uh, there are other Christians who seem to have this really robust idea of this intermediate state where. Um, you know, all of our relatives are fully glorified and enjoying all the benefits of their glorification right in this moment. Um, Pastor, could you speak to maybe uh, a bit about these differences and and how we should make sense of this?
1: Yeah, there's there's a couple sections in Revelation we can look at, right? Let's do it. Uh, One is Revelation 6, verses 9 and 10. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? So they're active. Now you talked about the full realization of of glory, and in some ways I've seen, hmm, they don't have their body they're they they do not have their glorified bodies back yet. That happened right. to look at you know, especially if you read through 1 Corinthians 15, things like that. That last day, the day of the Lord, the when the, the the dead are raised and all of that, the their bodies are raised. But they're there and they're crying out to God. They're praying on our behalf, which is pretty cool.
2: Mm-hmm. Right?
1: Uh, they're concerned about what's going on. Um, you know, how long before he will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. Still concerned with things, with things here, which is kind of neat. And then jumping back to Hebrews again. There's um, the, the whole, well, we had looked at um, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, I believe, correct? Mm-hmm. And then if we jump down um, to chapter 12, starting at verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. So we, when we come to faith in Christ, then we've come to this heavenly Jerusalem, this spiritual city of God, and we've come to those who are in festal festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven to God, the judge of all, and the spirits of the righteous made perfect. They're there with God. And when we come to faith, you know, and I especially think about when we gather for worship, uh, that we're together as the church. And in some ways, we, we think that heaven's kind of far away, but mm-hmm. we really shouldn't. Uh, we sing in our liturgy that we, you know, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, you know Holy, 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 that we're joining in that heavenly worship when we gather together as Christ Church. Jesus said, we're two or three are gathered in my name, they're my in their midst. Jesus is with us. Well Jesus is never far from his church. He's never far from his people and he's at the he's he's seated at the right hand of God, right but we're worshiping him, right. but he's seated at the right hand of God. Now does he just come down and join us on Sunday mornings for an hour? <laughs> no he's the one who fills all things and you know heaven we have to think of it more dimensionally than spatially
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and here we join with those who have gone before us in the faith as they're worshiping god right now to put to rest the whole notion of soul sleep or all that stuff we simply need to remember the transfiguration mount mm. jesus is there brings some friends along and who's there? Moses and Elijah. Right, right. Now, I, I think they were dead. Right. Well, Elijah got trans... He, he, he kind of had a, an easier exit out of this life. <laughs> yeah. Right? I, I want to go like that. Uh, Enoch <laughs> walked with God and was no more. Elijah, you know, there are certain ways to get to heaven, I guess, that uh, most of us don't seem to be able to... Well, we have to go the normal way, right? <laughs> right. We close right. our eyes in the sleep of death. But but you know so but Moses died. We'll give him that. Uh, but they're there on on the Transfiguration Mount, and they're with Jesus, and they're they're appearing in bodies, but they don't yet. Well, Elijah probably does, but uh, another story altogether. But they're not sleeping somewhere, right? They're not waiting somewhere, right? Yeah, they're there with Jesus.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I, I also think. Back to like the thief on the cross as well, right? When Jesus says, "Today you'll be with me in paradise," yeah. that that seems to indicate that you know this guy isn't just going in the ground and waiting however long for his resurrection, right? twiddling his thumbs till <laughs> the last day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. No, no. And, and there's all sorts of verses like this. So even even talking about the faithful departed as a cloud of witnesses, right? That seems to. Implies some sort of like observation or awareness of what's going on uh, in the world, right? Yeah. And as you mentioned in, in the Revelation six verse, um, it seems like in some sense, uh, even if it's a general sense, uh, these saints are are praying for us here on earth, right?
1: Yeah, in some and, probably some sort of maybe general way. Right. We don't right. want to get kind of weird and specific and and wonder what Aunt Margaret's doing right now and things like that. That's right. that's, that's not our place.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Right, but uh right, but I think it's safe to say that we can take comfort in these verses and um and we can understand that you know our our relatives who have died in the faith, they're not just uh you know Totally devoid of all experience right now, or are, are, are fully asleep in the ground somewhere, waiting their resurrection. No. There is, they're enjoying, at least in some sense, um, the blessings of unity with God in their death. Right,
1: right. I think we need to bear in mind what happens to us when we die. When we, when the Christian dies, their soul goes to be with God, mm-hmm. and whether it's the words you brought up about the thief, uh, the thief on the cross, the words she spoke to him. Whether it's Moses and Elijah or or whatever. But when we die, our souls go to be with God. Our bodies are buried, but on the last day, that great day of the Lord, our bodies will be raised um, imperishable. We'll we'll get our bodies back, but they're going to be fixed up. Right. Nothing wrong with them anymore. And that will be a a great day of celebration as well. Right.
0: And I think that's kind of the tricky thing and the tension because um, the resurrection seems to be something we should be looking forward to, right uh and, and so like it would be weird if um, you know all the saints were enjoying like this this uh bliss uh being united with God without a body and then like they were put back in their bodies and they were worse off than they were in the intermediate state, right <laughs> yeah like it seems crazy. like we we don't want to make the resurrection <laughs> to be something in any way negative or it's going to like worsen their condition. So, um, and I think maybe this was some of the motivations behind, uh, you know, the development of this, this idea of soul sleep or, or at least some like degraded faculties in this intermediate state, because, you know, we are kind of in a way, you know, intrinsically uh, physical beings, right? We rely on these physical senses. And at least in this life, um, we're very intimately tied to our bodies. And so, um, you know, perhaps the middle ground is to say that uh, the resurrection will be a good thing. It will be good when we're once again united with our physical bodies. But that isn't to say that uh, the saints right now in this intermediate state aren't enjoying unity with God and even have some awareness of, of what's happening here on earth. Perhaps that's yeah. the best middle, middle road. Right. And okay,
1: if God's perfect, and when he delivers us from this veil of tears, and takes us into his heavenly mansion, then everything's okay. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing, there's nothing bad. There's no more tears, no more sickness, no more sorrow. So of course, that being in in God's space that way, whether you know we're uh, waiting for our resurrected body, or not, it it it's going to be irrelevant.
0: Right. That, that's I think that's ultimately the thing to keep in mind. Like we can speculate about you know what that experience is going to be like all we want, but really the important thing is to know that, um, you know God is ultimately in control of all this, and He has our best interests, and we we can glean uh, hope from the scriptures that have been given to us, and it provides enough to justify a hope and a um, happy expectation. Uh, looking forward to these things and not a sort of dread,
1: right? Yeah, no dread. Um, <laughs> you know, perfect love casts out fear, right? Right. And God has loved us perfectly, and we, you know, fear not. Two of my favorite words that Jesus spoke, right? Indeed. Do not fear. Another two are, do not cry. <laughs> and great words that you know that Jesus gives us that fearless existence when we look to Him in faith. Indeed. Okay. Indeed.
0: Maybe that's a good place to close.
1: Probably is a good place to wrap it up. And I, I think you had found a um, a prayer of the day. but we yes,
0: uh, just like last week, we'll uh, we'll close with a collect here. And okay. This is uh, appropriate for the Feast of All Saints. Okay. O Almighty God, who has knit together Your elect in one communion and fellowship in the mystical body of Your Son, Christ our Lord, grant us grace so to follow Your blessed saints in all virtuous and godly living that we may come to those unspeakable joys which you have prepared for those who truly love you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.